Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien this is uh the vice president uh dr boltar uh that's dr gaius boltar uh scientist genius lover and uh, I noticed a lot of people uh, wandering around talking about the Pegasus, and they're not talking to me about the Pegasus. After all, I am Dr. Vice President Gaius Poltar, and uh, it's very insulting. Now excuse me while I make out in the air to nobody. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There There are many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome again to set condition one, a night shift radio original. I'm your host, SC1 Actual Caleb, and joining me, it doesn't matter if we're on the CIC or not, is the XO Kissy. <laughs> hey, I don't, I don't think Ty has any lines in this movie, so I don't know what to say here other than, hello. Ty's literally none in this one. Uh, and the president of the podcast and the 12 colonies, Andrea. I'm not even certain I've been born yet. Okay. I'm so much younger than than what's his name, Adama, right? Bill. William? Bill. We just call him by Admiral. his first name now. It's that. Admiral it's that kind nasty. of show. <laughs> <laughs> and for the very first time, we welcome special guest, vice president of the Twelve Colonies and the podcast and the Night Shift Radio Media Group. Uh, and our very closest amongst the staff to looking like uh, Gaius Baltar, Michael Fike. Accurate. <laughs> That's so accurate. That's uh, Dr. Gaius Baltar. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'll have you know that uh, Gaius Baltar and I are nothing alike, minus the fact that we both have imaginary friends. But other than that... <laughs> I was going based on the uh, on the hair, but the, hair, yeah, hair, I mean, the, yeah. the imaginary friends will do it too. I even wore my glasses uh, today to fight. Are your imaginary friends as hot as Baltars are? Because are anybody? Right. <laughs> They're imaginary. They can be as hot as you want them to be. That's the thing, though. 
<laughs> and listener, uh, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, we are on a very, very special episode of Second Edition 1 today. Uh, in fact, uh, this episode is also a crossover with the other uh, Night Shift Radio production. In fact, the flagship Night Shift Radio production, never heard of it. Uh, hence, we are joined by Michael Fight today. And we are discussing uh, not one of the regular numbered named episodes of the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica, but rather Rather, the first, uh, at least chronologically, feature-length made-for-TV film uh, of Battlestar Galactica, which is entitled Razor. So we're uh, we're in for a good time. There are four hosts today. This show is going to span uh, two episodes across two different podcasts, and we are so so excited to have you on this journey with us. And that said, previously on Battlestar Galactica. Can we just, I want to get one thing out of the way right off the bat, please, is that the knife that features heavily throughout this entire movie is not a razor. <laughs> no, right. it's not at all. Or not even a little bit. But like, I actually think I own that knife, but I think everyone's owned that knife at one point, but I guess like Battlestar Galactica pocket knife didn't sound as catchy. So <laughs> I swear there was a Duck Dynasty logo on the side of that knife too. I'm not gonna lie. I must have made this up in my head or maybe I read it somewhere on the internet or something. I don't remember what, but I swear that like Razor was supposedly like one like the elite members of the Pegasus crew. Did I make them uh, that up? Am I right? Am I wrong? I think like, it was just her if you're a razor, you're like yeah. one of the elites, kind of like in Starship Troopers, like the Roughnecks. That's that's Rico and uh, before him Ratchet's division. Like that's spoilers. Well, I mean, we've already covered uh, Starship Troopers over on Never Heard of It, uh, right? One of our one of our earlier I've, episodes, yeah, my I've first never, birthday episode. Aww. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, and I guess I could have spent some time watching it today because I know it's a, a favorite of yours, but we were too busy watching War with Grandpa. So I missed I mean, out on any chance to watch Starship which, Troopers. Happy which, birthday, Madam President. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, by the way, y'all need to do War with Grandpa on Never Heard of It. It's Is so it bad. Too? It's so bad. It's not even just that I, it's bad. It's a bummer. Like, Robert De Niro is sad. He's just so a sad weird. old man. Because I loved that story as a kid. I owned that book as a kid. And, like, when I heard that they were making a movie, I'm like, well, that makes sense. That would be funny. And then you said today that it was not. And I'm like, that makes me sad. It's like, without even watching it, out. I'm sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's something about Robert De Niro playing all of these like grandpa characters. Like he was like in Dirty Grandpa and then he was in this and stuff that it's just like, dude, you're fucking Robert De Niro. Like, what are you doing playing these terrible like movies? Like, don't you have enough money? You don't need to be doing these garbage movies. Like, come on, man. Where's your self-respect? I think that's part of it. Hey, hey, save it for the never heard of it episode on War of Grandpa <laughs> that you guys are going to do. This is a Battlestar Galactica podcast, and we are legally only allowed to talk about Battlestar Galactica. It's in our contract. Uh, it's in our contract. So, as we mentioned, we're discussing today the uh, the made-for-TV feature-length, uh, I mean, we like film, movie, it's, it's an extended episode, essentially, but it doesn't fit in the regular 
uh, runtime of the uh, the Battlestar Galactica series. It's called Razor, uh, and Razor covers some of the backstory of the Battlestar Pegasus, uh, both before it meets up with the the Galactica and joins the fleet, and after uh, Leodama takes the uh, takes the helm as the the commander. Uh, which we just talked about in the the last episode, uh, the captain's hand. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that episode, I mean, welcome to the madness. Like here we are, but like <laughs> we've got like a season and a half, almost two seasons worth of episodes oh already in the book. So like uh, maybe go back and start at the beginning and uh, check it out. Hit subscribe. Welcome back. Here we are. Um, <laughs> so. Razor starts out introducing us to a brand new character, Kendra Shaw. Yeah, New Zealand is she New Zealandish? She's she's oceanic. We were trying Zealand, to figure yeah. this out. Australia. Uh, Andrew and I were trying to figure this out last night, and we we've come to the conclusion that we can only tell Australia New Zealand accents apart if they're like next to each other. Like if if one person's Australian, one person's New Zealand, I can tell you which one's which. But on its own, I can't. To yeah. me, she had the same accent as Taika Waititi. I think if I had to guess that that she's from New Zealand um, because of the way she says razor is not the way they teach you to say razor like you're Australian. I'm sorry, who's they? I like the internet. <laughs> well, uh, say, rise I... up lights is how... Do you say razor blades with an Australian accent? The words rise up lights. <laughs> rise You've up never blades? heard that? No. Uh, yeah. So uh, being being Gaius Baltar, I did extensive <laughs> research on this just now. <laughs> and uh, I'm in no way bullshitting. Um, but she actually moved to Australia when she was 12, but she was born in Hong Kong. Oh. So okay. she, yep, <laughs> that so intersection. She, yep. And she went to Sydney University where she graduated uh, graduated with a double major in philosophy and English literature. Ooh. And, uh, in this case, who would she be? Uh, Stephanie Jacobson, who plays uh, Shaw, she has been in a few things. She was in NCIS. Um, so not our connection, but in, in <laughs> never heard of it. So their connection. Um, but she's she's been in a few things. She was in uh, the show, the movie Revenge, the show Revenge. She was in the mm -hmm. Hawaii Five O reboot. Oh, um, does that mean she was also in at least one episode of Lost? They love to <laughs> bring them over to Hawaii Five O from Lost. Possibly, I haven't gone that far yet, but okay. uh, looks like she was in the reboot of Melrose Place. Uh, Melrose but that's Place. about it. She only started acting in about two thousand eight. Oh, so now. So we uh, we start this episode, this film out with a uh, a narrative uh, from Shaw's perspective. Uh, you're born, you live, and you die. There are no do-overs, no second chances to make things right. If you frack them up the first time, <laughs> not in this life anyway. Uh, which is, to me is very reminiscent, and uh, we get a little bit of a callback to this later, of uh, the Admiral's early statement uh, when he tells Lee about how you know, a man makes his choices and he, he stands by them, and how much we see that being uh, Admiral Adama's, like, not, just, not just words to him, like that's how he lives, that's how he commands. Uh, and so I think that that really makes sense as a setup to like, the central theme of this film. And then, of course, we get a, a bit of uh, exposition, like backstory, flashbacks to uh, the uh, 
you know, the, the Pegasus meeting the Galactica, Admiral Kane taking command. Um, what else? We see when Kane is killed and Fisk takes control, we see a flashback to, you know, last week's episode with Garner in charge and Lee getting made uh, commander. Uh, and that's basically where this episode's story starts to pick up. What do, you, what do you think Shaw is juicing herself with? Do you think it's like heroin or is it because it's not like stims like uh, like uh, what's her name? Cat was doing. Yeah, that was I, I was trying to figure that right out. Because <laughs> well, that's like the first thing we see is she, you yeah. know, they make the speech. She's in the she's in the thing peeling the potatoes and then she pulls out the needle and goes, Wah! you know, it is hardcore to go right for the neck, though. Yeah. Like, most, that's why right? I think it's like heroin or something. It's got to like, be something pretty, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's worth pointing out here that the uh, Night Shift Radio media group uh, does not, uh, we don't judge anyone for their choices for, for substance use. Right. You, know, you do what, what you need to do to get through this life. Uh, that said, uh, substance abuse it can be problematic and you should seek help if you find yourself in that. Um, we're just simply mentioning the fact that uh, there is a character in this show who uses uh, some sort of substance intravenously that comes up a couple times. So do take note. Yeah. I mean, with this, this would be the first time we see anyone outside of stims in the Battlestar world, like doing drugs, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember any other time where somebody like, aside from like drinking, but like the the stims thing that Cat was, and she was the only one that was doing the stims that we even saw. Yeah. And then, well, is uh, is Kamala extract considered? Oh, Sorry, Kamala well. extract. I, yes. I, 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 <laughs> you just, I was. You've got I, our our new vice president on the brain. I, I understand. Do, yes. <laughs> it's, it's inauguration day as we're recording this. And I'm just a little giddy. It's, I mean, yeah. it's what a day. What a yeah. day. What a day. You know, the, uh, the, the United States has been in the middle of such a, just a fucking deep nightmare for years now. And there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot that has to happen in this country, but it's a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. to have, uh, President Biden and Madam mm-hmm. Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, <laughs> in office. So, uh, again, for, uh, as Kissy pointed out, forgive us for a little bit of getting us here on this episode <laughs> <Yeah>. tonight. <laughs> But yeah, back to my point, is uh, Kamala extract considered a drug? Um, yeah. I guess in the, the same extent, um, and I forget what the name of it is, but like in, in the Bay Area, there's uh, some of those like tea houses that are that specifically kind of uh, psychotropic tea. Mm. Do you know what I'm mm. talking about? Yeah. Uh, I, I think to the extent like that, it would be considered a drug. Uh but Kamala it's like from the earth, though. Yeah, you know. I mean, right. it's it's an herbal man. <laughs> so, so she's injecting it, which means it's some kind of liquid, most likely. <laughs> yeah, most yeah. likely, yeah. Uh, and she's, she's keeping it in a, in a cookie jar, a flour jar. Uh, it could be she's... really, really little rocks. Could be very. The, oh. the cookie jar looks like one of those like insulated coffee mugs, like to-go mm-hmm. coffee yeah. containers. Yeah. You screw the top yeah. off, take your sip. But so, I, I, I'm going to assume it's whatever their version of heroin is. So like, heroinagon, heroinagon, heroinagon. 
<laughs> Wait, why, what, why wasn't the syringe square? I'm very morphine cool. is Morpha, so maybe it would just be Hera? Oh. Hera? Ooh. Hera? Uh-huh. Hera win? Uh, all right, all right. That's pretty good. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> How much time can we talk about a drug we don't know the name of? <laughs> I mean, a lot, apparently. No, I yeah. mean, we're doing good. Eight, have have you minutes? met us? I'm not in charge of this podcast, so that's Yeah, me neither. Uh, you, I do were, everything. you were saying something. Was I? You were. <laughs> that's, that sounds like me. I forget what happens next, and Caleb's on with the transcript. So I guess maybe we were just talking about the, the Kamala extract. Um, so, yeah, the, we, we get a, a real fast introduction to a, a brand new member of the Pegasus. Well, to us, brand new member of the Pegasus crew. Apparently, we learned she's been there since... Ten this months whole time. ago, <laughs> I've literally been here this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> been here this whole time. Uh, we get uh, finally another like definitive timestamp where the attack on the colonies was t- was ten months prior to the the current date, um, and we learn that Kendra Shaw joined the Pegasus crew at like the day, like moments before the silent attack, uh, but in the now. She's been busted down to kitchen duty, but Lee sees uh, some potential in her as he's picking his new uh, you know, officer staff uh, as he you know, you know, begins to assume his duties as commander of the Pegasus. And he sees this, uh, this young officer who had nothing but the highest rankings, highest marks from Admiral Kane, who we hate, uh, <laughs> and then progressively worse ratings from Fisk and Garner. Uh, and she has one of the the greatest lines when Lee calls her on that. She says, "You know, they didn't deserve my respect, so they didn't get it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. She's a perfect example of like, like Admiral Kane is like super. She was very like cold and you know like a hard ass, but like in the worst possible way. But I feel like Shaw was like the flip side of that where she was like cold and like, no, this is how we do it. And like, obviously we see throughout this film that she does really shitty things, but you know, we see that, you know, she regrets them, but we see that sort of like, no, like I'm going to do this job exactly as this, because I'm a soldier. I've been, you know, I've, you know, kind of got thrown into the fire day one and this is, this is who I am and this is how we do it. But like, within reason you know or yeah. not within reason because she's obviously very unreasonable in some parts but but like in the i don't know yeah i she yeah in the cool I, way absolutely i think um a big difference for me is that she seems to derive no pleasure from hurting other people where um whereas kane is just nasty for the sake of it oh my god I, on yeah. her best day she's, she's just terrible. nasty for the sake of it and on her worst day she's just fully the devil. It, yeah. yeah. If anything, we get even more reasons to hate Kane in this episode. We're like, we all hated yeah. her, like from moment one, I think. Um, but you know, the the first time we're introduced to her in this uh, in this film, you know, Shaw has uh, she's found her way on onto the Battlestar Pegasus for the first time. She's a you know fresh new recruit. First person she meets is uh, is Gina, who we know mm-hmm. now is a. Uh, is a uh, number six Cylon model. But at this point, uh, no one on the Pegasus knows that. And she's just there as a network admin. She's doing some overhauls of the, uh, the Pegasus uh, operating system. Ooh, I wonder if that'll be important. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Wink, wink. 
Cheap yeah, that was genre. actually really cool. I like I liked seeing um, yeah. her like you know that that version of Six's journey on the Pegasus because they yeah. they like I don't know seeing Kane like be be Kane this whole episode was really great because like she's evil in the season that we see her but like you really like you only hear that she's evil and then she does mm-hmm. like three things but this is like you see how really crazy she is how terrible she was I love it because. Every little like side story, every bit of context they tell in the regular season gets played out here. Yeah, uh, like one of the the first things we notice is like like a scene that uh, we'll talk about that that Fisk describes in the show. Oh. You're like, oh shit, that actually happened. That's not just a story. Yeah, and I love that too because like Fisk, it, he tells it to Colonel Ty in in this in the uh, in the episode, and they're they're having a drink and and he's like staring at him all serious. And then he starts laughing, and Ty's like, oh, he's, he's just fracking with me. But no, it actually happened. I think Ty and I, neither one of us thought he was actually fracking with him. No. I, I was certain um, that, that he was, like, telling this terrible story and realizing as he was telling it that, like, maybe we don't let all of our terrible little secrets out um, yeah. quite yet, and I'm going to cover it up with a laugh. It's interesting to me because... I thought what we were going to get with this was, oh, Kane wasn't always all bad. And then some terrible things happened and she was betrayed by Gina, who we've learned some more backstory about why that was so significant. And that that like, you know, she was tough before, but that really broke her. And that's when the evil came out. Mm -hmm. But all it did was like every story was worse than we thought the first time we heard it. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Mm. Shaw finds her way to the Pegasus CIC and uh, tries to introduce herself to Kane, to the Admiral. Uh, and Kane just shuts her right down, gives like no time for her shit. And, you know, well, Kane tries to, or, like, basically tries to humiliate her. And Shaw has a response for everything she says. And then Kane just, like, you know, we don't have time for your sob stories. Go. Go take a nap. Go away. I don't know. Whatever. And I do. I do love though that when she shows up, uh, how Kane's like, "Oh, how was your coffee?" And she's like, "I don't <laughs> what." And she's like, "Well, either you know you couldn't find the CIC, or you stopped for a coffee." And I really hope that it's not that you couldn't find the CIC because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> like, it's like, holy shit, you suck. Yeah. Oh, shitty. So rude. I would. I would like to think that my new aide. Uh, would rather be late than not be able to find her way around a battle star. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh. Yeah. And then uh. she smirks at um her oh god, Hoshi? Is that him? No, no, no. Ho- so Hoshi is essentially this ship's Gata. That's and right. You'll notice like uh, I mean, I guess we're kind of getting ahead, but we talked before about how they call Gata Mr. Gata. Uh they refer to Hoshi as Mr. Hoshi. Oh, so it's something I didn't catch to do that. with that the position. Like, that position, that that like oh, rank or role that they play. Does he not have a military? He totally does. Like yeah. lieutenant Gata. Yeah, Gata's oh, lieutenant right. for lieutenant sure. Gata. Yeah, that's right. I wonder if like that position is called Mister for some reason. Mister, Mister. So uh, every now and then we put the call out. Uh, any listeners, anyone who might be following along on social media or want to reach out through uh, your website or whatnot, if you know why. Uh, Geta or Hoshi in their positions uh, might be referred to as Mr. Rather than by their rank, please let us know because none of us know. 
<laughs> and I'm not allowed to look it up. So yeah. Um, yeah. So the EXO, what's her EXO's name then? I'm just so bad with the names. It was the only new name I remember hearing. His um, name is never actually said. What? Because he's not there very long. That's true. He has yeah. like he's. Uh, I think that is uh, Jurgen. Jurgen Belzen, yeah, is his uh, character name. So it's never said out loud, um, but she has a uh, an XO who's Colonel Jurgen Belzen. So I, I have a question. So in that Swedish in that chef. same thing where she's berating uh, Shaw, she brings up something to the effect of like, "Oh, did your mom pull a bunch of strings?" And yeah. She's like, "My mom's dead," and she was like. Yeah, I don't need your sob story. Like, what, what is with the mom? Like, is there something I missed about the mom thing? Like, or was it just like throwing it in there to say like she came from privilege or something? I mean, presumably if you did additional digging into Shaw's character, you'd find that, yeah, she probably came from some sort of like high privilege family or whatnot. And it like is supposedly like that's how she got to be as high ranking of an officer with the, the assignment on a, you know, on the flagship Battlestar uh, that she got. It, the implication, basically, that she uh, Laurie Laughlin her way in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Huh. Yeah, But I, um, her mom's dead, so that didn't happen. <laughs> my mom's dead. My so mother there. is dead! I just, I just love that instead of, like, ignoring it, Kane's just like, bitch, I don't care about you. <laughs> She was just like, instead of just being like, anyways, go do your job. She was just like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Don't you don't you dare tell me a sob story. I feel like that line was there just to like really drive home the point of how shitty Kane yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, if you ever try to tug on my heartstrings again or some shit like that. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I started to kind of get annoyed because I know that, you know, we know that Kane's terrible. But then just after Shaw leaves, she turns to her XO and she was like, how was that? Ha ha ha. Just a little morning snack. And I was like, oh, she's being, you know, hard ass, you know, teacher, but she's going to be yeah. good. You know, maybe, you know, like you said, she's going to end up being, you know, not as bad as we think she mm -hmm. is. But then she's just terrible, worse, crazy yeah. worse. <laughs> terrible worse. Yeah. <laughs> that smile is all the more like, up. I don't, it. No, it's not unsettling. I think it's inconsistent. I don't think, yeah, it doesn't make sense with her character at all because I don't get the impression she takes pleasure in, I know I just said she takes pleasure in hurting people, but I don't think that's quite right for her either. So I don't think she's ever been pleased in her life. So I'm not sure, but like, I don't get the impression she was, she does anything for fun. So to give, um, uh, uh Kendra, to give Kendra yes. a hard time just to, like, you know, be able to have a little haha -ha with uh, her XXO um, is, it seems un uncharacteristic, but when do you think she got her bangs? <laughs> Kane? She had very severe bangs in her run in season two. Well, they were just about to go on shore leave. So she so got maybe, a little. Maybe, yeah, she, like, they just uh, pulled into the, uh, the Scorpion shipyards. <laughs> And uh, she stopped by the local uh, salon <laughs> and got herself some uh, some fresh bangs. She got those quarantine bangs. I get it. Yeah. 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 So we get a taste of, of how shitty uh, Kane is as she laughs off her mistreatment towards uh, this brand new officer. 
we get an introduction to Shaw. Uh, and in the now time, in the, the, the current storyline of the show, Lee, uh, after having his uh, initial discussion with this uh, this new officer to evaluate her character, has decided that he wants to make her his XO. Which is a hell of a decision to make for someone that is uh, currently working in the kitchens who has been uh, demoted at least a couple times uh, from her time under the Admiral in a very short order because we know that uh, the the uh, regimes of Fisk and Garner were very, uh, very quick. Uh, and he has a... An interesting reason for doing that. Uh, well, because he says Kane speaks very highly of her, and everyone else just kind of said she was blah, and everybody on the ship still like respects Kane. So it was kind of like a see, even though I fucking hate Kane, I I can be a team player. Look, I'm promoting you know Kane's favorite gal over here, um, but she he says, doesn't. But he doesn't know like all of the shit she did. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. the crew remembers the stuff that she like does uh, on behalf of, of Kane. Yeah. So like he, Lee specifically says like, I, I want to come across to this crew. Like the, there's been some issues with unity here and I want to come across as respecting Kane's legacy, even though I very much do not, I need it to appear that way. And Kane obviously respected you. So do you want to continue to kind of wallow in self pity down in the, in the kitchens uh, or do you want to take a chance and do this job and you know be what this crew needs? Which is a really interesting uh, kind of ultimatum that he puts on her. Yeah, like EXO or peel potatoes. <laughs> right. And he even said, he was like, well, you, would you rather go down to the thing and do that? By the way, I, I can't wait until we get to the moment where Shaw and Starbuck like <laughs> meet up. And like, I love Adama's line. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's true. I mean, Shaw is the Starbuck of uh, of uh, yeah. Pegasus in, in, in a way. lot of ways. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so immediately after uh, Shaw leaves the the CIC of the Pegasus for the first time after being berated by uh, by Admiral Kane, the fleet's attacked. The shipyards are attacked. The colonies are destroyed. Like what we know went down ten years ago at the very beginning of the show. They're experiencing now. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, ten months ago. Wow, ten years. That's what is time? There's is a time? lot of time stuff in this one, so <laughs> I, I get your confusion. It, it jumps back and forth and around a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 What, what we know went down ten months ago. Uh, is this is real time for them? The, the shipyards are being destroyed, uh, and you know Pegasus is being nuked, and Shaw is you know wandering through the the halls with Mister Hoshi. And uh, they both kind of get knocked unconscious. And in checking on her people, Kane's wandering up and down the halls apparently, and decides to uh, to break, uh, snap uh, Shaw out of her unconsciousness by just like smacking the shit out of her. You know, like you do, like you, <laughs> like, like you, do. you do. Yeah, when you're bleeding from the head and the nose, and there's you know fire everywhere, I'd be like, I know what I should do. I should hit them more. Well, you know, <laughs> it's. So certain things in the Battlestar Galactic universe are different than than they are for us, right? Like obviously the octagonal paper, uh, <laughs> the blood is different, as we found out. You know how when there's an injury, they tell you not to move the person. Mm-hmm. For us, uh, in Battlestar Galactica, I'm assuming 
the the prevailing advice, prevailing medical advice is if someone's injured, slap the shit out of them <laughs> as much as you can. Shake them up. So what if what if like one day they actually go to Earth and they show up there and then they have their octagonal paper and they're like slapping <laughs> people and people on Earth are like, what are you doing? <laughs> what have you been doing? This, this has twice as many edges as it should. <laughs> what, this is What's wrong so with you? Like, how much time did you spend cutting the edges off this? Pit? Like, you know how inefficient this is. What do you do with the quarters that you cut off? Do you just throw them away? That's so wasteful. <laughs> right. Uh, so we learned that uh, Shaw has a, a little bit of a, a moment of being the hero, so to speak, uh, in this initial attack. And you know, she she stumbles her way back under the CIC, and. Uh, Kane makes the decision, like with the the fleet being destroyed around them, to go ahead and jump out. Uh, and of course, we have the uh, the imminent threat of two nukes about to hit the uh, the the Pegasus. And so, like, we have ten seconds. And so, we have uh, about a like you know forty five seconds worth of ten seconds uh, <laughs> worth of decision making. Yeah. Bullet time. There's the whole like we need to jump away now, but we can't do it without the computers active. We need to do it now. But you know, we could end up in the middle of a star. We need to do it now. Ten seconds. <laughs> a lot of like, we're <laughs> in the middle of a star, but we're <laughs> definitely going to get nuked if we don't. So I mean, that's true. That's true. Like that, the time spent arguing, like we could end up dying if we jump. When we're definitely going to end up dying right, if we don't. Like, yeah. Now here's the thing that that, that gets me about this scene. Um, there's the. I forget which ship it is, but it's another ship that's like docked near them that gets hit with one nuke and just fucking completely yeah. explodes. Yeah. Right? Now we've seen Galactica get hit by several nukes and for all intents and purposes been fine. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously there's been mm -hmm. some damage, but like the whole ship didn't fucking explode. So are we to believe that like this was a more powerful nuke or they just hit the ship in the right spot or I think they've been they were already hit a few times. I think they got hit by a nuke on one of their sides and that's what caused the first initial explosion. Okay. So like I think they were already hit by a few nukes and then I think these two would have pretty much sealed the deal. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean it was my understanding because I think that's what initially cuz he says like we were hit by, you know, two nukes on our this side and, you know, two more and we're done for or any any more hits and we're done for. And then he's like, shit, there's two more coming, you know, so gotcha, I think gotcha, that gotcha. was okay. the the implication. You know how you can drop your iPhone like a hundred times and it can be fine. And then that hundred and one time it, you hit it just the right way and it shatters into a million pieces. It's yeah. like yeah. that. I don't. But clearly you do looking at your yeah. phone. And I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Our listeners can't see it. And it's pristine. We're going to go ahead and post a picture of that on our uh, Twitter account, so please go ahead and make sure you're following that. How am I supposed to take a picture of my phone with my phone? <laughs> As Michael said, the, the, the Pegasus had already taken a couple of hits, and presumably you know, the, the fleet isn't all being hit at the same time, so the, the ships that are being destroyed, we can kind of extend the, the idea that they had already been hit and thus were damaged enough to blow up. Uh, because otherwise, yeah, Kitsy, you're right. I mean, it's, it appears to us that the other ships are being destroyed significantly more easily uh, than the Pegasus. And while the Pegasus is, of course, the, the flagship of the fleet with an admiral on it, or a flagship, a, an important ship with an admiral on board, uh, I don't think it's that much more resilient than the rest. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, well, that's also like the, uh, you know, the Pegasus was like one of the big, 
ships. Like it was bigger because like the Galactica is like an old, it's, you know, in the beginning of the series, it's a floating museum, but the Pegasus is like the new, you know, ship. So seemingly it should be able to take a few more hits than Galactica could, right? In theory. I mean, yeah, in theory, the, the, the Pegasus would be a beefier, uh, more uh, resilient and more advanced ship than Galactica with you know, several years on it. Uh, you know, 24, 30, 40 years, whatever, in, in development in Battlestar technology. In Battlestar time. They got doors that open automatically. They got fucking <laughs> grocery store doors versus the submarine doors on the Galactica. They're, they're cooler than that, though, because they don't just, like, slide. They, they all rotate 90 degrees. They, they got but, boomer sunroom doors. <laughs> Is boomer sunroom another uh, Viper pilot that I haven't met yet? Yeah, that's, a, that's another boomer model uh, oh my God. that we haven't seen yet. There's She's actually just, a fl- there's a flashback in later uh, later episodes where we go back to see Boomer's life on Caprica and she's got she's, she's oh, got she's, she's got, got those kind of doors room. in that's, her sunroom. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, Boomer sunroom and, is yeah. actually a, like uh, a, an early two thousands flash animation style website <laughs> <laughs> where you can uh, live the life on uh, a, a uh, Toron. Uh, sunroom or wherever the fuck she was from boomer sunroom dot wherever she wherever she played tennis on tuesdays okay boomer okay uh, okay so it, it falls on shaw to to be the one that makes the the in the moment calculations that jumps them away just literally like a second or two before the nukes hit just in time and starts the the journey of the the Pegasus, which we from previous episodes know was essentially following in the 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 path of the Galactica and the Galactica civilian fleet. As the Cylons were chasing them, the Pegasus was chasing the Cylons and ex, uh, doing their their kind of guerrilla war tactics. Scooby Doo chase. Scooby Doo chase <laughs> in and out of hallways. And... <laughs> But we learn that that Shaw just just happens to manage to to, to type in the the exact right jump coordinates to get away at the exact right moment, and the Pegasus survives the attack, uh, thus allowing Shaw to exist in our current universe where Lee makes her his EXO, and uh, the the most I guess the closest that she gets to a training montage. Uh, as XO uh, is a, a moment where she's teaching new recruits how to uh, take apart, clean, and reassemble their guns in mm. I don't know ten seconds. And it's like really super fast. Blindfolded though. Blindfolded, and you know she gets to the end and she walks up to one of them. It's like, are you confident that uh, that you're <laughs> that you're ready? He's like, yes, sir. Like you're ready to fire that gun in combat to save your you know, your fellow soldiers' lives. Yeah, yes, sir. And so she takes his gun and like points it at her chest and says, well, then fire your weapon. And so clearly, hopefully she knows something that he doesn't <laughs> yeah. uh, because otherwise this is a, a very poor teaching technique. So is this the hot dog of Pegasus? <laughs> Alternatively, she's just fucking had it. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's, she's like, done. oh my God, please just fucking kill me. <laughs> she did not want to be. You XO. guys are so bad at this. Just fucking kill me already. <laughs> Uh, and of course, the uh, the soldier fires the the gun. Nothing happens, and she picks up a uh, a, a piece that he left out, hands it to him, and just says again. So you know, 
we get a sense that uh, she, you know, she's not taking anyone's shit, and uh, uh, we get a nice little nod to Galacticus XO uh, <laughs> when Adama says to Lee. Didn't think it was possible you could find an exo meaner than Saltai. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. That's so good. We speaking of Lee's um, team. Well, I don't know what. What would you his, his crew? His, his crew. crew. That's it. Um, he he brings Starbuck on as CAG. And at the very beginning, we skipped over this, but it's so good. He's like, you're going to make me regret bringing you along, huh? She's like, every chance I get. (laughs) (laughs) I love their dynamics so much. It's just, that really warmed my heart. And in this conversation between the Adama's father and son, the Admiral asks, you know, any ruffled feathers? I'm like, (laughs) has anyone maybe not liked this decision to make Shaw the XO? And Lee's like, well, she and Kara don't exactly get along. <laughs> and Adama, Bill Adama gets one of the best lines of the whole movie. I'd like to sell tickets to that dance. <laughs> <laughs> spectacular. It was just spectacular. He's so good in this episode. I, yeah, I was just going to say, like, surprisingly enough, even though it's it's really more about Shaw and it really it's about Shaw. Like, we see some Lee growth. Uh, in it, but like we get some really good Adama moments, which later we see young Adama. And oh, yes. like, surprisingly enough, it, it, you get like some really good backstory, like build up to like, like the history of what's going on. Like, there's a few things that dropped that I was like, this probably should have been in an actual episode because <laughs> like this seems really important. <laughs> like, <laughs> you sh- you could have mentioned that the hybrid <laughs> thing. Like, you could have uh, mentioned that at some point. Whoa, spoilers! We're we're almost just there. for later in the movie, not it's, for we're we're trying to be careful. I think yeah. we maybe should let our listeners maybe know that fight is way ahead of us. So we're being very careful about how we're. Well, that's in the movie. Oh, yeah. He says in the movie. Yeah. He says no, it. This is, I'm not spoiling way. a future no. thing. You're spoiling just, later in the movie. We haven't gotten that yeah. far yet. But I just didn't want you to worry that when Kitsy yelled spoilers, they meant that you'd spoiled something for me. Oh, um, yeah. The only, yeah, the no, only no, thing no. he spoiled is my good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that was from moment one. Well, I am uh, I am just doing my job, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> now, excuse me while I have a strange interlude and stare off into space and nobody questions it for 20 minutes. <laughs> And th- that's one of the things that I do love the, the most about having uh, gotten to watch this movie is it provides so much additional backstory that, like, uh, having watched the show several times, like, you can get by without it. Like, it doesn't necessarily detract from the experience not getting these little details, but it definitely adds to it by getting them, in my opinion. Well, Caleb, you had or hadn't seen I it had before. Not. This is the first time for all of us. Okay, I love that. Yeah, so we're all we're all coming in, in fresh on this one. It's really interesting because we watched it two episode. We have two episodes right before the end of season two. Is that right? Uh, maybe something like that. But we're very close to the end of season two. Yes. Um, and then, but the movie itself didn't come out until two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and they did such a good yes. job. It feels to me, anyway, by like. The stakes feel very real in this movie. Um, it doesn't feel like a fan service kind of like wink nod back. It doesn't feel like they're really um, like trying to, uh, I don't know if retrofit is really what I mean, but like trying to build a story around pieces that are already there. Like this all felt like it really could have happened, like a story that they planned 
back in 2000-whatever for season one and just held on to it. Yeah. Um, it just feels like so part of the story. And we've talked so much about how it feels like there's stuff happening off camera, off mm-hmm. screen, that we just kind of have to, because everybody feels so real and lived in. And this is such a good example of that. Like, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and uh, for a little bit of context... Uh, for the regular series, and uh, you know, we last week just covered the captain's hand. There are three episodes left in season two, so this oh, is you know, right about halfway through the, the series as a whole. Uh, but as you mentioned, Andrew, giving us context for what was happening at the very beginning. Um, I think this is a good moment before we uh, continue too much further into the plot. Kitsy, earlier you were uh, you were expressing possibly some concerns with the production of this uh, movie with the, the <laughs> quality overall. And uh, I think this is a good chance to, uh, to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, the CGI in particular, like the Cylons and the, uh, uh, the, the, the Vipers and stuff like just did not look as good as they did in, in the regular run of the series to me. Like some of it's a little cheesy and, uh, and, Bad. That's interesting because <laughs> I've noticed that in similar uh, properties, like in similar like sci-fi movies that get TV show uh, accompaniments or like you know shows that get made for TV movies, like either direction. When like the budget has been uh, directed in one way, like uh, I think of like Starship Troopers. We were talking about this earlier, uh, Michael. You and I at one point talked about some of the the movies that were made later and like the the TV shows and stuff like that that were made after the original, where obviously they didn't have nearly as much of a budget and the quality suffers. And I feel like as much as the like Andrew is spot on that the story is really great and fills in uh, some some holes yep. with this movie. They didn't apply as much of the resources to this as they could or should have uh, to make it look as good. But it's okay because the story is compelling enough that it, it does not matter. Yeah, it definitely there. There was a few moments like uh, uh, one of the moments later when when we see like the the actual like uh, Kara and and Shaw like out you know in Vipers and stuff. There's a moment where like Kara gets back in you know uh, uh, Starbuck gets back into like the hangar bay. And there was a moment where she like her plane spins around, mm-hmm. but like it looked like they just like cut out a magazine picture of like Kara Thrace's <laughs> face and just like taped it to the inside of a model. So when it spun yeah. around, she was like, huh. you know, like it was just really, I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Ooh. That was bad. It kind of reminded me like, like, you know, Avengers Endgame is a really great, you know, I guess Infinity War, I'm really more talking about, but we're talking hundreds of million dollar budget. But um, Bruce Banner's face, like inside of the Hulkbuster <laughs> armor suit, I was just like, really? Like you have like a $250 million budget and like this is what you're going to show me of Bruce Banner's like tiny head and an Iron Man thing? It looks like it would, like I could have CGI'd that better myself in front of a green screen. Like it was terrible. I dare you. Terrible. I dare you. <laughs> do it, coward. You won't. I will, I will fucking do it. We'll wait. Go. Go. We'll wait. So. We learn uh, once again in the in the current times <laughs> that uh, a, a scientific mission uh, can you know, like against the the admiral's better judgment they they convince uh, them to uh, they convince the Galactica to let them borrow a Raptor, three scientists and a couple of pilots to go study. I don't know, it's like a supernova or something, and uh, they haven't heard back from them yet, and so. Um, 
Adama decides to send Lee on a, uh, a search and rescue mission, essentially, uh, to see where this raptor might have gone. And so we get a, a, a great bit of flying with uh, with Starbuck and another pilot called Showboat. <laughs> Showboat's a good name. I love the call signs on this show. It's fucking Showboat. Showboat, like she's just showboating. She's out. Yeah. She's out making, making everybody laugh with her antics. Do you think Starbuck heard that call sign and went, "Ah, oh, fuck, that should have been mine." <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's a so good, good one. Yes, yes, I do. Wait, I don't know if you guys have discussed this yet, but uh, so we have hot dog. <laughs> are there are there hot dogs in Battlestar Galactica? There have to be, but you know what? Right? Shape they yes, are, but right? instead of round, they're octagons. <laughs> I would do anything to have an oct- octagonal hot dog. I, I need it. A hot dog. A hot dog. <laughs> oh, no. You done an, did it. An oct dog. <laughs> That's nothing. That's nothing. It's almost hot dog in French. Someone out there, please make an octagonal hot dog and send it to, yes. to Fight's house. Please. Uh, I will gladly accept an entire pack. Uh, DM me. I'll send you his address. It'll be fine. <laughs> so Starbucks and uh, Showboat are on this uh, rescue, mi- uh, search and rescue mission. Uh, they're jumped and surprised by a uh, a Cylon-based star of some sort that they don't really recognize and a bunch of raiders that they don't really recognize, uh, which turned out to be classics. Yeah, mid-century like Ford uh, Raiders, <laughs> like with the, the fins and everything. Apple IIe's got the OG Cylons the, the up in here. Silver Thunderbird of the Raider fleet. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, and you know they're 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 jumped by significantly more than they are expecting, and so they they book it back to the Galactica. And one of them chases it, chases them on board. Starbucks makes this crazy maneuver where she flips around and shoots it out of the air, and it lands on her. And that's it. That's, that's it's kind of anticlimactic. I was really <laughs> hoping for more, but she's just like, ah, frack. And she just she's like, what the heck, man? <laughs> ah, beans. I really beefed that one. <laughs> so much of this little uh, movie is about like when. When to engage and when to run. Yeah. Um, so that moment, I think, is really important that they do decide to turn around, especially because um, in that scene with Lee and Papadama, he says, like, and if there's I forget exactly Lee's question, but he's basically like, and if we run into trouble, what do we do? And Adama's like, well, it's a search and rescue mission. Uh, but at the same time, I trust you to use your judgment. Like you you have to make that decision. He says, um, and then something we, to the effect of don't get into a fight that you don't want to fight. Yeah. Which is a good advice for all the time. Yeah. Well, and we see that that uh, dilemma come up a few times throughout this episode and I th- er, episode throughout this movie. And I think this is one of the first times where we see somebody decide to, to turn and run home and it ends up being probably the right thing to do. And yeah. we see Shaw make the, that sort of decision, you know, it's in very Admiral Kane style of like, you know, I mean, cause her whole decision, you know, Kane says in the beginning, like, we're just going to run away. No, we're going to go directly after them. And then we see, you know, all the bad stories we heard about her. And then Shaw kind of makes that same decision. She's like, no, like we're going to just gun into them and do this. And Therese is like, what are you doing? And she was like, nope, we're just going to go ahead and shoot them. And she's like, <laughs> what? And she's like, they're going to fly right into our ship. What are you dumb? And she's like, no, let's do it. And then they do it. And 
Yeah. Yep. It was wild. It, it's, yeah, it's wild is the word I was going to say, but you said it, so we're good. I don't I, need to say it. anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I personally, I think it's, it's wild. <laughs> so wild. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. And, you know, Kara takes <laughs> issue with the fact that um, uh, Shaw decided to turn the Pegasus guns directly into the, the line of where uh, <laughs> Starbuck and Showboat's flight path was. Um, but at the same time, Starbuck and Showboat make it home safely, largely because the guns were firing where they were. So it's kind of like, eh, nobody's wrong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like one of those, like, it's only not a bad idea because it worked. It's still a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> like, it still was the wrong move, I, even though it worked. <laughs> I, I love that, like, the, the conversation they have in Starbucks basically just like, we could have died, and, and, uh, and Shaw's like, but you didn't though. <laughs> like, you just, you're like, what? I what? <laughs> and so we uh, we get another flashback to uh, the time immediately after the Cylon attack, and the Pegasus has jumped away, and they've uh, found what they think is just like an isolated Cylon base that they can take out, and so they decide to launch a, a small squadron of Vipers, take it out, uh, and immediately are jumped by several, basically like the entire Cylon fleet, several base stars and uh, raider squadrons uh, engage them. And they realize that this wasn't just like in, you know, communications array or something. This was like the staging hub. This is where like everything was happening from. And this is our our callback to that story that we hear Fisk tell Ty early on where he says that, you know, Kane ordered us to, to uh, you know, open fire to attack a uh, a superior force, and Herexo refused the order. And uh, we learn that when he says that, when he refused the order, she took his sidearm and shot him dead on the the spot. That's actually what happened. Yeah, she didn't even give him time to change his mind. <laughs> Just like, give it me wasn't... your sidearm, and he's like, "What? Yeah. Give me your sidearm." Boom. It's done. Like, I really don't want to. And then, and then. Uh, all of a sudden, Fisk is now yeah, the XO. And she turns his gun to him. She's like, well. And he was like, uh, do that I, thing she just said. <laughs> do the thing. Yeah. And so th- this, this is our first chance to see that like joke. Fisk understands what it takes to just, just survive uh, in this circumstance. Um, it, it's great, too, because he, he like picks up the, the, the horn. And I just, in my mind, I just, I, I had that scene from Spaceballs in my head where uh, Colonel Sanders has to give the order to go to ludicrous speed. And he's just like, prepare ship! <laughs> like, I, I, I swear I thought he was going to give the order like that. Just like. Spectacular. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I, I understand the idea of like, you know, you can't question orders. And in the moment we have to act like I, I can get that. Oh, yeah, because they never but, did that on Battlestar Galactica. You know, the consequence <laughs> of questioning orders or not acting immediately being immediate execution, like, that's where, like, Kane gets super fucked up. Like, her character has a chance to be, like, strict but reasonable, and this is immediately where it diverges. Or she's just unreasonable at all times. Yeah. yeah, and for for no good reason. Um, and I, this was another instance where I had assumed that that happened 
after, like, we found out, or at least uh, not we, after Pegasus found out about Gina and stuff had really started to pop off. But she, yeah, killed her XO the second things got tough. Like, it was... She was looking for a reason. And they were friendly. He's the only person we saw her smile at this whole time. And she shot yeah, him in the head. They, they, they like, talked about, like, you know, he's like, you know, the girls really miss the, their Aunt Helena or whatever. Like, you know, they, yeah. like clearly their families know each other. And, mm-hmm. yeah, they're close. And she just, like you said, kills him without a second thought. And for a maneuver that gets them nothing tactically... They throw everything they have at a superior force, lose a lot of ships and a lot of pilots, and gain nothing. Yep. Yeah. It's almost like it was a really bad idea. <laughs> she, I mean, this. I think this this whole scene. You know, obviously, uh, when we heard about it during the series, the scene was to show that like she's tough as nails and like you know you know she she's that kind of leader of like this is what happens. Um, but we see that scene again and I think it's, it's meant to serve in this film to, to see where, because like we see parallels of Shaw kind of mimicking Kane's sort of brash and like, you know, very bold, uh, decisions and kind of like, you know, uh, kind of bad decisions in a way. Um, and we see that sort of rub off, like we see her directly work with Kane and many times she gets in those same situations and you see her being like, what would Kane do in this exact situation? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we see that's, that's what she's struggling with. And when we learn, you know, later, uh, her and Starbuck, you know, kind of have a moment and you kind of like put two and two together of like, oh shit. Yeah. This is why she's doing this. Like she fucking hates this. Like she, this is not who she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. And I, I think it's, it's interesting to call attention to like at this point, like, we know that the Galactica had been an older ship and uh, having been a, a veteran of the, the First Silent War, Adama insisted that their computers never be networked. He knew like what the vulnerabilities were to silent technology. And we learned that the Pegasus survived the initial attack because their computers were down for a retrofit. They were getting the upgraded software uh, that... Uh, if, if I remember correctly, uh, our, our Mr. Baltar might have written. Uh, well, okay, listen. Uh, <laughs> I do a lot of things uh, around here. I'm, I am a, a, gen- a genius, after all. But uh, that was supposed to network the the computers and make them, you know, so much more efficient, and you can control the ship from any point in it, and like makes the the CIC essentially obsolete, which in theory sounds great, but uh, in you know in a war with the silence, not so great. Uh, and we learned that that software would have had a backdoor that allowed the Cylons in, uh, hence why the rest of the fleet was destroyed so easily and the Pegasus made it. And uh, I feel like that maybe puts a little bit more suspicion on our friend Gina. A little bit. Oh, yeah, because she was uh, all she up was in the one doing She was being the computer person. But, uh, you know, Shaw figured it out, and uh, she she lets the... the the admiral knows she's she's going to make sure that they keep the, the the computers unnetworked going forward, and so they reach the same result uh, in a completely different way than the, the Galactica does, and I think that's a, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is really interesting because that was one of my big questions when Pegasus first showed up in, mm-hmm. in the series was like, they're a new 
like state of the art ship, how did they survive the attack if everyone else was susceptible to the Cylons, you know, hacking? And here we go. That's how. They do give us that explanation back in their episode, but I thought it was fishy. Like, I thought I was still working out what Kane's deal was, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know she was just born a demon and remained a demon her entire life until she died. But um, so I thought there was something more to that because it seemed too convenient. Uh, But but it just turns out that it was a kind of like right wrong i it's not a right place wrong time kind of thing but it's you know unfortunate circumstances that that kept them alive anyway i don't know in another parallel to our original show uh kane gets on the horn and she decides to address some rumors that have been making their way amongst the ship uh uh, that you know the the colonies may have been destroyed and that the silence were attacking and she says you know whatever you heard it's worse and, you know, here's what happened. Our, our colonies are destroyed. The, sh- the, the fleet is gone. We're alone. But, you know, we're not just going to give up. We're not just going to run. You know, that would be too easy. We're, we're going to wage an all-out guerrilla warfare, uh, guerrilla tactics war against uh, the Cylons. We're going to hit them uh, where, where they're vulnerable. And we're going to get revenge. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not just going to stop with surviving. We're going to get revenge. And somebody, somebody who looks suspiciously like a dollar store uh, Adama, uh, starts the <laughs> "So say we all, so say we all" chant, and it's great. It's it's like a, a really cheap knockoff version of what happens on the Galactica, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I loved every second yeah. of it. <laughs> well, it's funny that Caleb, real quick though, that you said um, whatever you heard. Actually, it's worse, which is exactly how I felt about Kane mm-hmm, watching this. Mm-hmm, like, what I heard was bad. What it really was is worse. Yeah. And in that episode, um, the first episode when we meet Kane back in season two, um, Adama makes that, that he has that uh, conversation with Lee about considering mm-hmm, the context mm-hmm. and how maybe they're, you know, we, we don't know what was happening on their ship. And so context is important because who knows why she would have shot her yeah. XO and maybe we need to be a little more like understanding because all of the terrible decisions on the seemingly bad decisions on Galactica, there was good reason for, but that is again, not the case with Kane and Pegasus yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, the context really just makes it even just, worse. Uh, just imagine Lee going back and being like, I told you dad, <laughs> I, I fucking, fucking knew you. fucking terrible dad. <laughs> 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 we we get uh, you know the, this continuing uh, growth of relationship between uh, Kane and Shaw, where you know she starts out like uh, Kane starts out really shitty to Shaw and like really dismissive, and Shaw is just trying to prove herself. Uh, and you know we we see through the attack that she has proven herself to the point where she gets promoted to major and she gets invited into this kind of inner circle with you know Fisk and. Um, Turns out Gina, of all people, the the network engineer. Uh, apparently, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a side hustle between uh, Gina and Kane, uh, which I mean, good for them, get it. Uh, but we see a little like what's supposed to be a, a surreptitious a little smooch, uh, but in, mm-hmm. in fact is very obvious in front of everyone. Literally, uh, every like the second half, and I was like, oh yeah, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, it, this is the first like 
non-heteronormative relationship we've seen in the I, I show. I was thinking right? about that too. I, 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 I remember so. seeing that. I was like, yeah, I don't remember anybody. I always have my magnifying glass out. I'm positive it's yeah, the first Sam, one yeah. that we've seen. Well, and so we could talk about the issues there. I mean, maybe there, like but... a relationship, but I feel like we we get the hint early, like in the early seasons where, you know, maybe that's a little more fluid. Because I feel like like Starbuck makes a few references to something to the effect of like, or maybe like Lee says something to Starbuck about like, oh, you'll just, with anyone, she's like, sure will. Fight. Are you, are you sure you haven't just been reading my fan fiction and you're confusing <laughs> the two things because... I get them confused sometimes. So. <laughs> That's definitely Andrew's fan fiction. But here, you know, we see the uh, the Admiral saying, you know, hey, you know, I, I told the fleet we were going to go for revenge, but we're not really going to do that. I'm not going to put anyone's lives in danger. <laughs> like, here's some wine. Everything's great. <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, and then, of course, we have this, you know, this big attack where she puts everyone's lives in danger. She shoots her, her XO. And uh, in the process of this battle, the, uh, the Pegasus gets boarded, much like what we saw with the raidering party uh, way back in the Galactica. Some heavy raiders find their way onto the Pegasus, and some, uh, some centurions are storming through. Uh, but you know what? They don't waste any time with any bullshit about needing explosive rounds or anything like that. They, <laughs> they, they just go with their regular sidearms and everything's fine. There's no fucking ultra armor Cylons here. Uh, you know, it's, it's... Wait, did we mention that Shaw gave Gina the access codes? I don't think we said that. Oh, oh we didn't. Oh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, so Shaw gives Gina the access codes. Shaw gives Gina the access codes. This is where where we get our definitive uh, find out, because Shaw was like, oh, so you and Kane. And she was like, oh, you noticed that, did you? (laughs) She was like, Oh, was that obvious, huh? It's like, yeah, you... Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're they're trying to finish this retrofit in time. They've got, you know... In you know, a limited time, they've they've got to get this all wrapped up. And oh, but you know, it would go so much faster if I didn't have to get get approval from someone with the access codes every single time I needed to do a thing. You know, this would go so much better faster if I didn't need the admin password every time I needed to install some new software. <laughs> hey, IT. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and. It, having seen the interaction with the the admiral and having felt that you know this this Gina person who helped her find the CSC on her day one was trustworthy, uh, Sean gives Gina the uh, the access codes. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. Not not just not just the it. access codes. Shaw gives Gina her yeah. access codes, which is problematic for a number of reasons. Because now uh, Gina's not supposed to have the access codes, obviously, or she would. And now she whatever she does, it looks mm-hmm, like Shaw did mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why you don't share your passwords with exactly people. This is you know, like it's a cleverly disguised tech podcast, <laughs> aren't they all? Uh, so yeah, the uh, the the Cylons board the ship, and uh, gee, I wonder know, how that happened. Probably because someone had the access how codes. That happened, and uh, you know, Kane immediately recognizes like. Oh, they're gonna like they're gonna vent the air and try to kill us all before we can do anything. So she sends sh- classic Cylon yeah. move. Uh, apparently, it is. Apparently, it is because we've so seen she's, it happen before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ty's seen it happen before, at least. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So she sends Shaw down to uh, Damage Control Two to uh, head that off, and you know Shaw takes a, a sidearm and 
tries to uh, shoot her way through some Cylons, finds a dead Marine, grabs his rifle, and whom does she see when turning a corner? It's Six, a.k.a. Gina, but it's not Gina. Is it? And we have multiple Dreda's contacts, so we're going to go ahead and jump to uh, the rendezvous coordinates. Uh, this week, the rendezvous coordinates are actually going to be over uh, on the Never Heard of It podcast feed, and we will, of course, embed those in the description if you uh, don't have those coordinates already. So make sure you join us over there for part two of this uh, walkthrough of Battlestar Galactica Razor. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you over there. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. And tries to introduce herself. Woo! Hold on. Tries to introduce herself to. Let me let me do that without all the emphasis because that'll be really awkward. Even if we edit it. Sean's. Uh, hmm. <laughs>